Shalom, and welcome to Kehilat Rosh Pina, a dynamic, multicultural, and growing Messianic Jewish congregation located in the heart of Oklahoma City and led by Rabbi Michael Weigand. Our goal is to bring you the message of the Word each week from a Jewish perspective and to exalt Messiah Yeshua as Lord and Savior overall. We are a loving congregation made up of both Jew and Gentile, now one in the Messiah, with Shabbat morning services at 10.40 a.m. and various studies throughout the week. Please come and join us next time you are in Oklahoma City. We would love to have you. And now, we hope you enjoy today's message. At this time of the year, how many noticed it's getting to the end of the year? I hope so, because we're in December now. But this time of the year, there's, there are no lack in numbers of, of in individuals or things. Uh, let me call them sales pitches that we hear. There is no lack. I mean, they come from every direction. Print media, television, radio, internet pop-up ads, billboards, and I was thrilled today driving in on I-40 from the west, and there was this huge billboard on the right side out towards Yukon, actually it was still in Oklahoma City, out by Sarah Road, and it, gave, it had a message on it that I almost like, whoo, and I saw, you know what it said? Happy Hanukkah. <laughs> and what I appreciated was just in the corner, in the right-hand side on the bottom, and I hope you guys saw that when you came in, but on the right-hand side, it just said Channel 9. Channel 9. So sometimes they have like something like that in small print, and then Channel 9 in big print, but it was the opposite. It was this beautiful display. Well, that kind of billboard I like, but we're getting, we can be bombarded from every direction with some type of sales pitch. And I guess part of that is many people are looking for gifts, and it is good. It's more blessed are those to give. It's more blessed to give than to receive. One of the few quotes of Yeshua that's not found in the gospel, it's in the book of Acts. Well, these sales pitches, perhaps, uh, I'm going to take the high road in my, uh, my assessment, but they want to offer us help to find the right gift, make the right decisions. They want to give us guidance. And in some cases, they're trying to prepare us for the future. And who doesn't want to make sound fiscal decisions in life? And who doesn't want to follow the right path in life? And who does not want to be sex successful now and in the future? Probably all of us would say those things are things we desire and hopefully aspire to. All types of tips from, you know, purchases to investments. Tips of every kind are out there. But my friends here today, I have an investment tip for you, which you are not going to hear, perhaps, from a financial advisor, even though it actually is a surefire way, a surefire way to secure your future. I have an investment tip for you. 
It's a surefire way to make straight your path in life. It's surefire. And it is a surefire way to invest in a way that brings great yield to you and to others. And this tip I'm going to offer you, this investment tip, is only seven words. Just seven words. But if these seven words are truly heeded, the course of your life could be changed. Here is the tip. Emet knei ve altim kor. Hochma umusar uvina. These seven Hebrew words, they're found in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 23. And they're translated into 14 English language words, at least in the New King James Version, and there are alternate translations. But Proverbs 23, verse 23 says, Emet kene, buy the truth, ve'al kor, and do not sell it. Also... Chochmah, wisdom, musar, instruction, bina, understanding. It seems that's central to wise daily living, wise decision making, and wise preparation for the future is emet kine, by truth, God's truth, God's truth. True truth, not the world's truths, which are not really truths at all because so often they change. The things that some of us were taught in grade school are not taught anymore. They change, but God's truth endures forever. It doesn't change. It's like a rock. It's established. Your life can be built on God's truth. It's not shifting sand. It's firm. Proverbs 23, 23, as I've been emphasizing, says this, emet kene. Will you try to say that with me? Emet kene. Let's do it one more time. Emet kene. Emet is truth. Kene is a command form for buy. It's not a suggestion. It doesn't say if you feel like it. It says Kine, by, it's in the imperative tense. Emet kine, by truth. But as you notice, that verse doesn't stop there. The verse continues, ve'altim kor, which means also it's an imperative. Do not sell it. Emet kine, ve'altim kor. By truth, don't sell it. The implication is much. There are many implications. For example, once you embrace God's truth, don't turn from it. Lay hold of it. Grab it. Keep it. It's firm. Don't try to replace God's truth with the proofs of science, with the proofs of medicine. All those change. God's truth endures le'olam va'ed for all eternity. And also, 
it says, don't sell it. There's nothing more valuable to us than God's truth. Now, there are other things connected to God's truth, which we'll mention in just a few moments. But there's nothing more valuable for us. Truth does so much for us. God's truth will do so much, it will set you free. It will liberate you. It will cause you that if you proclaim his truth, it'll cause you to be spreading good seed that will spring up. And in some lives, onto eternal life. In some hearers, to eternal life. There's nothing more valuable than God's truth related to other things concerning his love and his grace and equal plane. Well, I have a favorite passage of Scripture, one of many. How many have more than one favorite passage? <laughs> I have one. It's one that I often enclose in emails or letters. How many of you still remember letters? They're out there. I was very happy to receive one this week. <laughs> but a favorite passage of mine is, is from this odd book. It's a short one. It's Yohanan Gimel, or Third John. Third John, and I want to read in the very first verse forward. There's only one chapter, so chapter one, beginning with verse one, and I'd like to read four verses. The first four verses of Third Yohanan, Third John. It begins, it says, and I'm reading the New King James Version, the elder to the beloved Gaius. That's the name of someone. And then there's this right off the bat, whom I love in truth. So when the writer uses the term love in truth, the Greek word that's there for love is not phileo, such as in Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. It's actually agapao, agape love, whom I love in in truth, agapeo in truth. I think that's pretty immense. Truth and love connected in one statement by this writer. And when we think about relating to others, in this case, he, he, the elder to the beloved Gaius, and then he describes his relationships, and whom I love in truth, when we think about our own personal relationships at times, Many of us have been disappointed. And you know what? We've probably disappointed others too. <laughs> Many of us have been hurt. And you know, it's possible we might have hurt others also. Many of us became scarred. And it's possibly we might have left wounds as well. Many of us may have been misled, and it's possible we misled others. Many of us may have become exasperated, may have been misunderstood in the arena of personal relationships, and we may involve in the give and take of that. And these things occur, really, for many different reasons. And some of them, let's be frank about it, are connected to our own errors and our misstatements and our wrong ways. But know for sure that redemptive, healing, satisfying relationships in the Lord are possible. They're possible when we relate to God, who is true and faithful. Do you know that the Hebrew word for truth is a met? 
And the root word for faithful is from the same root, same three letters. Truth and faithfulness in the Hebrew mindset are linked. When God is true and God is faithful, you can count on him. And we can have satisfying, redemptive, healing relationships in the Lord And we can learn to relate to God and to one another according to his truth and his love. Don't you appreciate when we're able to gather together? And we use the term fellowship. (laughs) Some have uh, chuckled about that term fellowship. That means when I'm with my fellows in the same boat, you know, fellowship. But I appreciate that God has brought us together before we came out here. The idea was brought out as we were praying for the service behind the stage here. The idea was brought out about how great is God to bring us all together. And we can go around this room and we come from many different places, not only in the United States, but beyond the United States in our synagogue here. And so many different theological backgrounds, so many different family backgrounds. And there's so much difference among us, but you know what? We're united in the love of Messiah Yeshua. We are walking in his truth and endeavoring to. Is that your desire to walk in the truth of the Lord, to to show forth in your life that Yeshua is king, that he's Lord, that he's true and faithful? These type of ideas are so important that they are mentioned frequently by the Messiah himself. For example, in a well-known passage in Yochanan in John chapter 13, verse 34, we read this. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. That you love one another, and then there's this statement, as I have loved you. That you also love one another. What word is repeated three times there? Love. 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 And it continues in verse 35. By this, all will know that you are my Talmidim, my students, my disciples. If you have what? Love for one another. Third John continues in verses 2 through 4 of the first chapter, and he continues, and this is the verse that I have really loved for many years, verse (laughs) 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. This verse is packed with truths. For example, notice how he writes it. And there are other translations, but this is on target. He says, beloved, I pray. Do you pray? He says, I pray that you, do you pray only about your things or do you pray for other people? I pray that you, and do you pray blessings on them? I pray that you may prosper in all things. Do you pray like that for others? Or, and I don't think it happens here, or, Lord, send your fire on them. Sons of Baogenes, sons of thunder, Lord, get them. 
You don't find that in this verse. So I pray that you may prosper in all things. And then it says this. It's, it, it's a statement about the physical person. That you may prosper in all things and be in health. Just as your soul prospers, so he thinks also about the inner man. Continues, for I rejoice, not just I rejoice, but I rejoice greatly. I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you. Just as you walk in the truth. And verse 4 is a gem. I can almost see and hear Yeshua saying this. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. This passage that I just read points to what I would call three significant aspects of God's truth. Three significant aspects that this, they're significant to each of our lives. For example, aspect number one, in verse three it states, I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth. God's truth is unique. It's not paralleled by the so-called truths of this world. They're temporal. They change. God's truth is unique. And we should live our lives according to his truth. Our words and actions, they do testify of his message to those around us. And we have many sayings in the English language that point to this idea. For example, how many have heard this statement? Actions speak louder than words. Anybody ever heard that one before? <laughs> well, Mark Twain humorously said, <laughs> quote, notice, action, he doesn't say actions. He says, action speaks louder than word, but not nearly as often. <laughs> I mean, you've heard this statement, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. There's a well-known National Football League player, Tim Hiller, and he said it this way, quote, external actions are evidence of internal beliefs. Our deeds are what show our creeds, those things we believe in our deeds. If you believe it's important to pray, you know what you're going to do? Pray. If you believe it's important to be generous, you know what you're going to do? You're going to be a tither and be generous. If you think it's important to love others, you know what you're going to do? You're going to aspire to do that. And Charles Spurgeon, one of the great preachers of other generations, past generations, he once told his listeners, they were listening to him in England, and they were, you know, they were pretty well marveling at how well he spoke. And this is what he said to them, quote, it is well to preach as I do with my lips, but you can all preach with your feet and by your lives, and that is the most effective preaching End quote. Third John verse 3 continues and says, For I rejoice greatly when brethren came and 
testified of the truth. Aspect number one that we see in this passage is that truth is testified to and we testify of it. But it continues in the very next two words. Aspect number two of God's truth is seen in 3 John verse 3 also. Again, I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth. And then there's this statement, the truth that is in you. Is the truth just somewhere out there in your life? Or is the truth something that's being implanted inside of you? The truth meaning God's word. I've met many people that can intellectualize and theologize. But then you walk away wondering... How deep did that set in them? Remember being in uh, Wadi Kelt. This is a Wadi outside of Jerusalem, once from Jericho to Jerusalem. It's with a friend that uh, was totally fluent in Greek language. He was a Texan. He was totally fluent in Greek. He'd studied a lot in seminary. And we came to this monastery that's in, outside of Jericho, and we were, we were walking through the, the trails there. And we came to the monastery, and outside they had all this stuff in Greek, and he just rattled it off. Read it, rattled it off. He was an Anglo, rattled it off. Texas, born, raised. The only problem was that his life and the way he was living didn't seem to point to that truth that he could easily express being part of his life. How do I say that? Because of watching him for a number of months and watching his deeds, hearing his words, and being somewhat, I was a relatively new believer then, being somewhat put off by that. I didn't quite get that. He could rattle off the Greek, but somehow there was a gap there between that becoming in his life, part of his lifestyle. I rejoice greatly, verse 3 of 3rd Yochanan, I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you. God's truth must be given the primary place within our hearts and minds. If we're holding on to other philosophies, and it's very, very common now to have this syncretic kind of religious ex expression. Syncretism means to mix them. This syncretic religion expressing where you take a little bit from Buddhism and a little bit from Hinduism and a little bit from the uh, uh, other places and you mix it all together and that's yours. Frankly, in my opinion, and you may agree with this, God's truth doesn't mix with the rest of those. <laughs> it stands unique and alone. But it's common now to meet people who have, have fallen into all kinds of philosophies and have tried to meld the Christianity or the truth of God's word or Messianic Judaism into those philosophies. To me, that's a square peg in a round hole. doesn't fit. We're warned in Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. With this word, notice this first word. It says, beware. Beware lest anyone, and then this next thought, lest anyone cheat you, anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Messiah Yeshua. 
For in him, in Yeshua, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And I would suggest to you any type of Judaism that you encountered that does not lift up Yeshua the Messiah, stay away from it. He's the Lord, and he's coming back again. He's the king. That's why I love Messianic Judaism. <laughs> I love it. We Jewish practice connected. As it's godly in Yeshua, we can do it. But also, I noticed online when I was looking this passage up in Colossians chapter 2, a, a scripture that I've heard Jonathan quote this, the Passion Bible. So I was reading this same, pa- same passage, Colossians 2, verses 8 and 9, in the, in the Passion Bible. Here's what it says. It's a, a trans, uh, translation, so, sort of. It says, Beware that no one distracts you or intimidates you in their attempt to lead you away from Christ's fullness by pretending to be full of wisdom when they're filled with endless arguments of human logic. For they operate with humanistic and clouded judgments based on the mindset of this world system and not the anointed truths, and I love that statement, and not the anointed truths of the anointed one. Anointed one being Yeshua the Messiah. For he is the complete fullness of deity living in human form. So rather than demoting God's truth in our lives, Proverbs 23, verse 23, exhorts us to add to our truth, chokhmah, wisdom, add to our truth, musar, which means instruction, and to add to our truth, binah, which means understanding. Now the last aspect that I'll share with you today is the third aspect of truth found in the passages that we've been reading from 3 Yohanan, 3 John, the first four verses. And here's what it says. It says, For I rejoice greatly when brethren came in, number one, testified of the truth, number two, the truth that's in you. And then there's this. Notice, please. Just as you walk in the truth, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children, what? Walk in truth. The truth. Walking is an ongoing action, something we're continuing to do, an ongoing action. It's a progressing, it's a growing action. It's going forward. If you leave here and walk at the park, you're going forward in that park. Now you can walk backwards as well, which I don't advocate, but keep pressing forward. Walking. It's not being stagnant in your faith or your religious experience or your devotion to the Lord. It's not being lazy. Laziness will, will hinder our spiritual walk. I don't feel like reading the Word today. I'll do it manana, manana, I'll do it. Tomorrow, laziness will be you know, a death knell to your spiritual walk. You have to press in and make it a daily part of your life. And it's also, when we're talking about walking in truth, we're not talking about being unyielding to God's truth. We're talking about receiving God's truth and and seeking for him to reveal his truth to us and helping us to walk in it, to press forward in it. All the ongoing actions of our lives can be and should be founded upon God's word. 
It can be as simple as this, and I'll leave you this challenge. When you face a situation in your life, why not think it in the terms that Yeshua stated it? You know what he said? He said, do unto others as you would have others do unto you. The implication is do right unto others as you would have others do right unto you. It's not a a carte blanche to do evil to others because you don't care if they do evil to you. The implication is to do good to others as you would have them do unto you. So we must keep pressing on, walking in this truth, regardless of what comes our way. Regardless of the sales pitches out there that would pitch as many things, it's God's truth we want to focus on in our lives. It will be a game changer for you, for all of us, if we will put God's truth primary in our heart and mind. It'll change us. Now, Knowing that the Lord's return is near, how many think his return is near? I do. I know it's nearer than it was yesterday. It's nearer than when I got here and grabbed the bagel this morning, (laughs) which I'm going to eat later, Lord willing. But notice what the book of Messianic Jews, chapter 10, verse 36 says. It says this, earmarked to particularly Jewish believers, the book of Hebrews says, for you have need of endurance so that after you have what? Done the will of God. It's not something you're thinking about or you're postulating maybe I'll do it. But after you have actually done the will of God, you may receive the promise. The implication is the promise that's connected to doing God's will. Romans chapter 2, though, from Rob Shul, Paul the Apostle, beginning with verse 6, says, God will render to each one according to his deeds. Do you think it's important what you do every day? How you spend your time? You think it's important if you're persevering in the word of God? You think it's important if you're praying to God? You think it's important if you're yielding to God? You think it's important that you're letting the truth of God be primary in your life? It is super important. Because God will render to each one according to his deeds. Verse 7, Romans 2. Eternal life to those who by what? Patience, Patient continuance, some translations say patient endurance. Both words can be difficult, patience and endurance. Eternal life to those who by patient continuance in what? Doing good. Seek for glory, honor, and immortality. But to those who are self-seeking, your whole life is involved with you. Your prayers are about you. Your finances are about you. Your time spent is about you. Everything's about you. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey what? The truth. But obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. And I cut it off right there. You can read the rest of the story, the Paul Harvey part of it. Because it goes on and it's not pretty. So there's a good reason why 3 John verse 4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Now here are seven truths we can bank on. 
Number one, we can bank on this that God's word is true. Number two, that God's truth and his spirit speak as one voice. God's word says one thing, the Holy Spirit and God's word speak as one voice. Number three, the word of God and the spirit of God point us to Yeshua, who is the way, the truth, the life. Number four, Yeshua's love for you today was revealed in both his words and his deeds when he willingly gave his life for you. He sacrificed himself for us. We're going to, in just a few moments, remember him and what he did. And we're going to keep doing that until he returns. Number five, by grace you have been saved through trust, through faith. Salvation is based upon grace and faith. It's not based upon works, lest anyone should boast before God. But it does advocate that we do what's right in the sight of God. And salvation is a doria. It is a free gift, as the Greeks call it. It is a free gift of God. It's not based on anything else. And number six, Yeshua is coming back again just as he said he will. And I've been hearing at various times over the years people saying, oh, he said he's coming back. He's never going to come back. He is, and he's going to catch people when they least expect it. You think candid camera was bad? <laughs> but he's going to catch people. We need to be aware that he could come at any time. And for an individual, our life can pass at any time. Be aware. If he was coming back, and he'll do it just as he said he would. And lastly, number seven, and I hope this, this speaks to each one of us hearing these words. Blessed are those who place their trust in Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah. They shall never be ashamed. Psalm 25 verse 12 says, Psalm 25 verse 12, notice the heart of David, and we'll conclude with this. Hadricheni ba'amitecha, lead me in your truth. Velamdeni, and teach me. Kieta elohe yishiotcha, you are the God of my salvation. Kiviti kol hayom, on you I wait all the day. As we prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper, will you please bow your heads with me and just take a moment to do some personal inventory on your own life. Are you letting him be Lord? Are you letting him guide you? Are you investing your life in the right things? Are you giving him the glory that his name deserves? Are you giving him your being and yielding yourself and letting your members be members for righteousness sake? Yeshua did and gave everything for you and for me today. And these elements that are in front of us are symbols, symbols of his great sacrifice. The grape juice symbolizes his blood that was shed for us. The wafer, the bread, the unleavened bread symbolizes that his blood 
sinless body was broken because of our sinfulness, not his. We rejoice today knowing how great is the Lord, how worthy of praise he is. Father, thank you. Thank you for so great a Yeshua, so great a salvation, that while we were yet sinners, you sent your son Yeshua to die for us. We thank you, Lord, that our lives can be founded on your truth and your truth doesn't fail. Thank you that you and your blameless nature, you never change, so you are the rock of our salvation. Lord, I pray for each one of us here as we partake of these elements that you'll do a work in our lives on this Hanukkah, this dedication, rededication time. Thank you, Lord. B'Shem Yeshua. Amen. You've been listening to the Shabbat message from Rosh Pina Messianic Jewish Congregation in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. We would love to have you visit us. Our weekly services begin at 1040 a.m. each Shabbat, and we are located at 2600 Northwest 55th Place, north of Northwest Expressway at the corner of Northland Avenue and Northwest 55th Place. We meet each Shabbat for wonderful praise and worship with dance, liturgy, teaching, food, fellowship, excellent children's programs, and Bible studies on Tuesday nights. For more information, please visit our website, www.roshpinah.org. That's R-O-S-H-P-I-N-A-H dot O-R-G. You can also reach us by phone at 405-842-1967 or email us at info at roshpinah.org. Thank you for spending time in the Word with us today. Shabbat Shalom and blessings in Messiah Yeshua.